Welcome to the Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub podcast. AGS is a leading provider of agronomy services, exclusive products, and unrivaled customer support. Underpinned by a well-qualified and experienced team of former sports turf managers. AGS. Supply. Consult. Support. Hello and welcome to the next edition of the Turf Hub podcast. This is episode 31. Today we're going to be talking about the RNA Golf Course Initiative and more specifically research conducted at Myerscore University on sustainability guidelines for golf course condition and playability. Our special guest today is Senior Lecturer in Landscape and Sports Turf Management and I hope I got his title right. Stuart Brown, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Hello Joshua, yes that's correct. Um, for my sins, that's what I do here at Myerscore College. <laughs> Fascinating, uh, just coming back to my score today, just walking around, um, spent a little bit of time in the library pre this meeting today, um, hearing certain conversations towards the sports turf background, I think there were some people there talking about sports turf, which was very interesting, but walking around the site has changed a lot over 16 yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Myerscore's changed dramatically in its time. I mean, it's it's over 100 years old, as you know, 1894, same age as Blackpool Tower. <laughs> that's changed. I mean, historically, this was a college built on agriculture and horticulture. Mm-hmm. It's then, like most land-based colleges, has deviated a little bit. Horticulture broke off into its different factions, mm-hmm. you know, with sports, surf, arboriculture, landscape, etc., etc. Um but yeah, the campus has changed dramatically. I first I first saw this campus in 1980, mm-hmm. and it, it's very much dramatically. But that's in response to you know student numbers and just courses that have been developed over the years, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the way things have gone. Generally, resources and standards have got better. New teaching blocks have gone up. Accommodation for students. So it's generally been a year in There have been big growth areas, animal care and equine. You know, when they're historically, but they've come along. Um, but yeah, it's quite a, a big, sprawling, dynamic campus that still adheres to, you know, its core content is still, I would say, agricultural and horticultural and horticultural disciplines with a few sort of boltons as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's changed massively over its time and it continued to do so. There's still plans for further building developments of some of the older buildings will go. Part of that is because of the timeline and the shelf life of you know facilities and buildings. They naturally you know come to a conclusion, don't they? So, so part of it's in response to that. But yeah, a lot a lot has changed. In uh, I think a lot has changed probably since '93 when the college became incorporated and it became separate from the county council that used to run it, mm-hmm. and when it became an independent body in its own right, if you like. Um, but it's generally been for the good. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's the welfare and the getting of students that's the heart of it all. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Well, getting a bit more onto why, why, we, why we're sat here today, really, mm-hmm. to more of the specificities um, to talk about. Um, we're going to talk today about the RNA Golf Course 2013 initiative and then more specifically um, the research you've done on golf course condition and playability. Yeah. Um, but let's first let's let's just start with you, Stuart, um, and just give us a short brief into your sports turf life. Um, well, I, I started um, um, in the parks department, um, 
in a well-known town which is Joshua's favourite in East Lancashire, <laughs> Accrington. But yeah, I, I started work as an apprentice. Um, and would you believe it, I, I got a job as an apprentice gardener and then spent two years in a cemetery digging graves. Wow. But I, I, I quickly sort of, it was an apprenticeship in gardening because obviously in those times there wasn't um, the discipline in terms of sports, definitely boriculture, it was just horticulture. Um, so I started as an apprentice and, and worked for a few years doing that. Well, I, I, I quickly specialised in this sort of sports turf arena. Mm -hmm. um, my first experience of fine turf was looking after a bowling green in a park. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I got into cricket and football and other sports as well. Uh, I moved on to that. And from being an apprenticeship, I moved around the country a bit to other local authorities um, in, in the southeast and in the northwest. And, and ended up managing various facilities, but some of which contained municipal golf courses mm -hmm. um, as well. So I ended up managing those as well. Um, but that, yeah, that was my background. And the background is I, I still love parks. I have a thing about parks. The park went through a bit of a decline in our post-competitive tendering, but um, some of them are okay today. But that was my background. That's where I started. I know anyway. I came up through the local authority ladder. Um, and did some private works on various sort of golf courses in the northwest and elsewhere. A lot of them municipal though, before going into um, full-time education. Mm -hmm. I was invited to go and do some teaching at a local, I was in Suffolk at the time, working for Suffolk Coastal District Council, mm -hmm. managing their parks and gardens, including their sports facilities. I was invited to do some part-time teaching at a local college, which was Otley College in Suffolk, just outside Ipswich. And they wanted me to come and do some teaching part-time. My boss, the council at the time, said, no, you can't do that. You're either working for us or you're not. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, at the time, I was quite excited to do it. But it, yeah, they, fortunately, they made a position full-time because they wanted me to go and teach. They uh, set up basically sports turf education and training, as it was in those time. And that was doing city and girls um, day release for apprentice greenkeepers in that in the Suffolk area. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then they uh, sort of went from there really to a couple of other colleges to where I am today on the teaching side. <laughs> and just just give us a quick run through of what, what you, what's your vocation now at, at the MySchool College, what do you lead? Right, okay, yeah, so I'm responsible for all our undergraduate and postgraduate um, courses in sports turf, mm -hmm. turf grass science, sports turf management, whatever you want to call it. Um, well, we have an undergraduate program of a foundation degree in a BSc and we have a master's program. I've also just recently inherited um, a master's in landscape management, which I'm running as well. Mm -hmm. um, the landscape the landscape management sounds a bit of a discipline from horticulture, but sorry, a divergence from sports turf, but essentially it's, it's parks and green spaces, which is where I started. So I've almost gone full circle yeah, to where yeah. it all began anyway. Mm -hmm. But I manage those programs and I teach some modules on those uh, programs and on the other side as well, I also get involved in research activities. <laughs> so that, that's my role, basically. My role is basically some teaching and managing of programs mm -hmm. and getting involved in research activities. And the research activities, it's, it's generally about promoting my school and what we do here, but it's also obviously to support teaching. The industry. Well, teaching yeah. and the industry mm. as well, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's probably lean into to, to more of that. Um, 
So how does the golf course 2030 resonate um, with you um, and with it, how do you think it resonates within the greenkeeping industry to try and push for more sustainable sustainable movement, let's say? How does it resonate with me? Um, golf course 2030 was an initiative, as you know, from the RNA. I think the RNA have been quite um, foresighted in actually introducing and going down that route. Mm-hmm. It's thanks down to a former director who you all know, um, Steve Isaac, who was very much behind it, mm-hmm. because I think the RNA recognised that, and that the, um, the RNA exists for golf, and they recognised that if we want to have golf courses in, well, it's been 2030 and beyond. The, the 2030 was an arbitrary date because that was built around um, United Nations had various sustainability goals mm-hmm. that they set for to achieve by 2030. Whether those will be achieved, who knows? But anyway. It was an arbitrary date, but it was basically set to basically, these are the things on a worldwide scale we need to get in order, our house in order. And the RNA took that, or Steve Isaac took that, and thought, well, actually, yeah, for golf, these are the things we need to be doing if we want golf to survive. Yeah. And the key things, the challenges really for golf are, and still are, were basically sustainability from a, from a few different viewpoints. Well, one was about viability and have we got people playing the game? Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, there is competition from other sports, and there's been a there, there has been a dwindling number of people playing golf, and of course the challenges of managing a landscape, you know, and the challenges being pointed by fertilizer, pesticides, and other resources that are available to greenkeepers to actually manage those facilities. Mm-hmm. So the RNA um, it resonates for me. I, it's obvious. It almost seems like well. Exactly, that's where we should be doing. Also, we'll be thinking any foresighted individuals thinking about what's coming down the line. You know, you can see these things coming. So it was, it was natural. Then, well, yeah, that's great. That's what we should be doing. That's where we should be going. I think in in this industry, I think most people get it. Mm-hmm. I think there are some of the some people who don't necessarily understand or get it because I don't think they were fully that attuned. You know, I'm thinking about today rather than thinking of the long-term situation. Yeah. No one's really thinking about, if you're managing a golf course, I don't know if they're thinking about, well, what's going to be like in 100 years' time. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people are as far-sighted to that, but that applies generally, I think, to sustainability across the board anyway. Yeah. It's depending very much on people's lifestyles and their beliefs, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Some are just here for today and think, well, this is what I'm doing today. So I don't need to worry about 50 yeah, yeah, yeah. years because I, <laughs> I won't be here. Yeah, which is a bit of a negative attitude, really. I think long said because you might not be here, but your children or your children's children will be here. I agree. I agree. So mm-hmm. delve more into your uh, research that you conducted, um, and yes, yeah, what research that you conducted? Well, um, Steve Isaac um, consulted with us early on. Um, I should say at this point, Mysco have had a long association with the RNA. You know, we're one of only two colleges in the UK that have scholars funded, part funded by the RNA. So we've had a relationship with the RNA for donkey's years. But certainly we've had RNA scholars for the last 20 years. So during that period, our relationship with the RNA has grown ever closer. And, and so we've had that strong relation through the scholarship program. So we, we consulted with Steve Isaac very early on. Um, we were part of a consultation group. I know that the RNA consulted with bigger and various other industry partners, and they included ourselves in that, thinking, where do we need to focus, if you like, our research activities on? And that's where the research projects, so they identified, I think, there were about a dozen projects in the mm-hmm. early days, 
where they thought uh, we need to do some research with. Yeah. And the RNA were happy to, you know, stump up some cash, which is what they did. They came up with the funding thing. This is research that we need to be done. Uh, and how are we going to do it? It was a bidding process. You know, we saw, we did a project on um, golf course sustainability and playability, which is all about basically the stewardship of the golf course. Mm -hmm. Our project concerned all the other areas of the golf course apart from the greens. Mm -hmm. Golf greens were done by the um, SGRI, but of course the, the SGRI had been involved for years because they had a lot of performance data, you know, and testing of greens, and they'd built up that backlog of all that work on golf greens. Mm -hmm. So they were well placed to do it. But our, our project, um, which we did in, in tandem with the we actually came up with some of the parameters for the brief and gave that to the um, RNA, who then said, well, yeah, this is a project um, that we can run with. So we bid for the project and uh, we got that project, uh, which went over about three years or so, but very much focused on the say. The focus was very much on the golf course as a whole and the areas other than the greens. Mm -hmm. which in the terms of an environmental and sustainable point is the biggest part of the course in terms of land area yeah no I agree that it's, 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 it's very interesting to, to have some research that are not specific to the greens because everyone is dictated by the greens um, yeah. so it's good to see out there that you've got some sort of um, and we'll get onto it later just some, well, some some minimal level of standard for well, we, we for were or I, I was very much of that opinion because again if you look at the history of research into turf grass and, and turf a lot of it's been dominated by the states but a lot of it in terms of the golf course sector anyway it's been golf greens golf greens golf greens golf greens and very much important which is fair enough when you consider of course golf greens are important mm -hmm. but there's so much more to a golf course than just the golf greens mm -hmm. so i think it was yeah, we reckon I thought, oh yeah, we need to look at other areas other than the golf green itself. So, so moving a little bit deeper into that research, um, how, how have you tried to align um, the core market of the golfing industry from the research um, to the, to, to the um, responsibilities of the, of the players? So, so how can you have that, that golf market move to greenkeeping needs as well? Yeah, yeah. This is the this is the question, isn't it? This is the big, big, big issue because it's all about player expectation, but managing player expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go to um, it's golfers are customers, so they're paying for a product, so they expect a certain level or a certain standard of provision. Mm -hmm. But there's a there's a, a and the old adage is you get what you pay for. Yeah, you know, and so. Do you want to? I'm going to um, not the, the risk of upsetting um, some commercial car companies, but you can't expect to pay for a Lada and get a Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I always think, you know, in those sorts of terms, a Lada is fine. Don't get me wrong, a Lada is a good car. We'll get you from A to B, but it isn't a Rolls Royce. Sometimes it's difficult to define quality, and that, and that, that's another issue for sort of golf courses. Is, is what is what are the standards of quality? Because sometimes they're in the they're perceived, you know, um, issues, or they're in a person's head, and two people might not think they're exactly the same about what quality should look like or what it is. 
But yeah, the challenge of the golf course is to recognize that actually, and to for members to say, actually, well, this is our income, this is our budget, this is the resources that we have. Um, and that, you know, that you're contributing to, and this will buy you this yep. level or standard of, of product. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very hard, it is hard, but it, it's a challenge that I don't think people get sort of accustomed to marketing and advertising from something from the American court hasn't helped the game globally. Um, but it's very hard when get, people get a certain level of standard, they get accustomed to that. So anything that then becomes lower, they think, actually, you know, this isn't great, is it? Um, but you can go to um, the RNA, like to, I don't say they hold it, but the RNA, I don't know if you've been, Joshua, but the RNA used to take scholars to ask an issue in South East. And Askanish is a marvellous golf course, but it's very rough and ready. It's very raw. Mm-hmm. But it is golf that it looked like 200 years ago. And you can have a game of golf, mm-hmm. but there are daisies on the greens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and parts of it look a bit rough. But you can still have an enjoyable game of golf. Mm-hmm. But it's not pristine and it's not immaculate, but it doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. And that that's getting that sort of message home is, is difficult, but it is a challenge thing, actually... Your golf course might not look immaculate, it might not be green, it might not be striped, there will be weeds, there'll be pests and whatever. Mm-hmm. But you can still knock a golf ball around and you can still have an enjoyable game. Yeah. Without having for that having that pristine mm-hmm. um, polished look look to it. I mean it's, it's it's almost do we try and embrace the shift of the natural course conditions in terms of um, it's like a back to the future approach mm. in, 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 in terms of shifting from the pristine um, elite performance standards that we have now um, to that rugged sort of course, golf course playing conditions. And I, I have a lot of customers that, that they, they are very heavily driven by pristine conditions, mm. not just... Yeah. through the summer now but all year round that's yeah. it's, it's pretty much yeah. all year round and it's consistent and it's trying to like you just touched on managing the perception of quality and what quality mm. means in, in in certain areas um but it's trying to marry that with performance standards as well yeah um yeah. the golf has almost got to say to people you know this is this is your membership this is the fee you're paying this is what you're getting for that fee and if you want anything higher either your membership fees will have to go up mm-hmm. um, to accommodate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, in these times at the moment, you know, there's, uh, money's always been an issue, but it, we're particularly sort of stretched for cash at the moment. Mm-hmm. So putting fees up for most is not going to be an option. Um, but it is impacting on greenkeepers because they don't have the budgets and you know they, yep. to, to pay for it physical resources, you know, the fertilizers and the pesticides, even buying diesel and fuel is, is, is more challenging. But it is, it is, it's all about golfing expectations and managing golfers' expectations, think actually, okay, look, be realistic. What do you want? I think if customers are, are happy to pay high memberships and high fees, mm-hmm. there is an argument to say, well, the golf should be more pristine and in better condition. Yeah. But to counter that, you've always got to balance that, well, actually, what impact are we having on the environment? Yep. Uh, and that, that's key as well, is it? You just can't keep pumping either pesticides or water or whatever it is onto an area if it's damaging to the environment. And we know that we've caused damage to the environment from some practices. 
I won't say it's golf. I mean, agriculture is a bigger problem, but certainly there have been issues in golf. Yeah, no, we. I, I personally see it on the road. Um, I, I, there is a shift within the industry um, where there are a lot of good green keepers out there, a lot of forthright green keepers that are looking ahead of the curve. Um, where they want to use organic products, they're trying to use use less um, energy in their in their whole processes. If that's if they're using um, no disturbance sphere, if mm. I'm actually not aerating the golf greens, for instance, or they're trying to move away from um, using diesel and move towards more electric based machinery, or yeah. putting solar panels on the top of their workshops and stuff like that. Um, the the biggest driver has always been money always has been and always will be you know there's a shift to for people to buy electric cars or i know some people have bought electric cars already but i think a lot more are waiting until they become more affordable mm -hmm. obviously the infrastructure's got to be there in terms of charging points etc etc mm -hmm. but just the actual cost of the vehicle itself has got to come down radically more before people are fully going to convert to an electric car so because it is it's 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 driven by money if you haven't got the money, if you haven't got the budget or the resources, yeah, how do you afford to pay for? Mm -hmm. you know, I can't afford that that, that fertilizer or those pesticides that I may be able to use to do. So, mm -hmm. money is a good driver, um, but people, I think, more people, the more enlightened people are aware of the environment, more. If so, the ethical considerations as well. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. The more people are environmentally aware, so. That that's helping as well, but it but at the moment I think it's still money is the biggest driver. Of yeah, all. of course, is a more powerful influence. Money if you haven't got the money to buy the fertilizer, you're not going to buy the fertilizer. Mm -hmm. So you can't use it. So <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a no brainer, that way, is it? So so from from conducting the study uh, on golf course condition and playability. Um, what were the key insights into that working and we're not obviously we've talked about it but we're not looking at the golf greens we're looking at the wider perspective from that yeah i mean what we tried to do and if, if you see the report uh which you can look we, at the report for yourself which i will say the report will be in in, in the footnotes of this of the podcast yeah so yeah it's, it's on the rna website so go look at it yourself folks as well there's other reports that they've done as well I think what we try to do is to give the golf club options to think, okay, well, this is what you can have and this is what you can do. But it was driven, first of all, thinking, well, where is your golf club placed? What's the market? What customers are you aiming at? Mm -hmm. Because there's a wide variety. You know, obviously, there are the top-end golf courses. Mm -hmm. You know, the sort of the open venues and the, and the premiership sort of teams, if you will, um, at the top levels. But there's a lot of lower level. You know, the majority of... The majority of golfers, dare I say, aren't that good. And <laughs> probably play at lower. You said standard. that. You said that. Yeah, no, well, no, a lot of people hack a ball about, you know. Um, but they enjoy the game. But yep. you don't have to be. But not everyone's a professional golfer, so we don't need to have you know courses laid out for professional golf. There was a thing where every you know a lot of golfers aspired to be a championship course. And well, why? You don't need to be a championship course because your bread and butter membership, you know. Are, the residents of Burnley or Accrington or whatever it is, you know yeah. what I mean? They're not they're not championship golfers. So the first thing we try to hit home is actually know your market, who you're serving, what are you trying to be, and 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 do that well because I think a lot of golfers don't necessarily think about that. Um, I need to think about it more. Just 
right. especially when you've got you your do, you golf need... courses and your parkland golf courses your heathland golf courses and yeah yeah i mean that that's the, sort of uh, the, another environment facet to it as well but yeah, be confident in terms of you know what your customers want and what you're serving to. Mm-hmm. Because there are markets there for all levels of ability and all standards, of course. You know, whether it's a little nine hole course or a little sort of pitch and put or whatever, up to a sort of championship level. Mm-hmm. But I think in the past, too many golf courses have been guilty of sort of chasing this dream of being like a few championship level or standard. And you're actually not league. That's yeah. You know, and, um, and they don't need to be. Sometimes there's a bit of, um, maybe people have been a bit snobby, thinking that, oh, we're a championship golf course. You think, well, no, you're not, and you don't need to be. So, you know, be realistic in terms of your membership and your audience. And, and that's where we started. We started to do a little, if you like, self-assessment or a tool in terms of identifying what facilities and resources you have, but also who's customers. And it's, it's, it's just, it's basically customer, you know, it's market research. It's knowing who your customers are. Yeah. And that's what we're saying. Is there a, a self-assessment that, could, that is there a template that, that golf clubs can go through this? Is yeah, there, yeah, sorry, there is, there is. We did devise one with this sort of report where you can, there's a, there's sort of a checklist of things that you can look at and do. So yes, absolutely. Um, as with all these things, it's only a guide. Yeah, and it needs adapting to each situation. But we started on that mentality. Our approach was actually well, know the course, know your membership, and basically, first of all, find out what do your members really want. Mm-hmm. I mean, most members will probably say that they want um, the cheapest golf for the highest possible standard. That's almost a given. But again, this is where it comes in terms of managing expectations and think actually, well, if you want a this will cost you this much. Mm-hmm. If you settle for B, it might cost you 50% less. Yeah. So it, it, again, so we went from sort of thinking about knowing your customers, thinking, well, what are the options for you as a club? Um, and where did that lead you to? From? You've gone through that initial stage where you've you've analysed yourself. What's what's the next what's the next step on on, on that level? The next step was looking at the actual course itself. And looking at the standards of the of the uh, areas, if you will. So obviously we looked at the, all the areas outside of green. So it was tees, fairways, semi-rough, cut rough, bunkers, mm-hmm. and the like. And actually looking at the condition and doing some form of um, there are tests you can do quality. Sorry for on those surfaces and areas. There are sort of minimum expectations. So we sort of laid those out. But again, um, you know, you can look at something things like a moisture level. Well, you can have moisture level on a on a fairway, and you can set a sort of parameter mm-hmm. to where you should be within in terms of the the moisture content on the fairway. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, it, it's thinking about actually, well, what have you got the resources to manage? So, because if you want drier fairways, you may have a drainage problem, and that might mean a bit bigger investment. But it was very much, let's look at the course, look at the areas, what sort of standard or condition are they in? Mm-hmm. What standard or condition could there be? Yeah. And is that achievable for your course? Mm-hmm. You know, so basically set your standards and your conditions according to what resources and facilities you have, so match the two together. Mm-hmm. You know, this is sustainable for us. With this resource, yeah, completely, yeah. You know, and if you if you make that match, then well, this is what we can achieve with the resource grab. Great, that's it. 
but it's really just investigating that what does it. I don't think a lot of clubs have looked at it holistically in that way. You know, first of all, start with your customer expectations. Start by looking at what you've got. Where do you want to be in terms of your customers, but also where do you want to be in terms of the standards of the course? Mm -hmm. And then from that, what resources do we have? Now, it might mean that we'll need to get more resources. Yep. Uh, it might mean we can make cutbacks on some areas because we don't need to be, you know, the fairway doesn't need to be as manicured as it is. You don't need to talk to fairways yeah, or yeah, herbicide yeah. applications and stuff. Maybe we can cut some of those sort of activity out. I mean, mowing is a massive one for golf courses, you know, because probably 70% of your budgets is, is on, in terms of machinery and, and labour, is on mowing time. Mm -hmm. And diesel. And these also, if you can reduce something like mowing, yep. um, you know, there was a point, a lot of golf courses have these sort of massive wide fairways that are like landing strips. Mm -hmm. And they made them, they mow them wide because it's easier for the player. Yeah. Um, you know, because you basically you ball a land and you're on the short grass. Yeah. So the areas of sort of semi-rough and rough have sort of declined. You know, there, there are golf courses in the Northwest, which I shan't name, <laughs> and you, 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 and you, you can look under their tree cover in what's supposed to be rough and, and the grass is like an inch long and this is supposed to be rough Yeah, and it's, it's nothing like it We've let the grass grow I mean the reason it's known so short is because they want golfers to find their balls because they want them to get around quickly yeah. but I think we've lost sight of the fact sometimes that actually well the rough is there as a hazard mm -hmm. you're not supposed to be in the rough <laughs> you know, it's like the bunkers, isn't it? You're not supposed to be in the bunker. It's a penalty. Yeah. The idea is you, you you stay on the fairway or the green. So with golf courses, um, some golf courses are contemplated where they've made the course easy to play. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Now that might be fine for a certain level of membership and a certain level of player, but it comes at a cost because if you've literally got to mow everything, water wall mowing. Then the machinery and the man hours and as you said the diesel and the fuel cost for that. So yeah, higher. Yeah. But if you can start to reduce that and rein it in, mm -hmm. you know, let's make the fairways a little bit narrower mm -hmm. uh, and do it sort of gradually. And um, then increase your native areas in the rough. Yeah, so you've, yeah, you've got that's more. right. Increase those native areas and the, and the, the longer grass areas. Uh, do less, do less mowing. It's going to be a big impact in terms of your resources and your time and your money. And if you do it over a period of time, um, the player should, you should be able to get used to it. Um, it. It's, yeah, again, but that's going back to knowing your players, isn't it? What do they want? It, it does. I, but I, I, do you have to accept that bunkers and, and rough are a hazard, yeah. are a penalty? That's the you know, very essence of the game. Yeah. It should cause you a problem, shouldn't it? It's de it definitely should. It normally causes me a big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm hitting, I'm, I'm hitting the ball. Hits me a problem, sort of. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, I mean, in terms of that perspective, I mean, what sort of strategies would you recommend for the golf the greenkeeper um, to try and implement to uh, for, for this uh, yeah. way forward? It's, it, it's, it's very hard that the, that the high end golf courses they want, let's say, uh, 12 foot on the stint meter. Yeah. They want ultra fine fairways. They want nice, firm, and fast fairways um, so they can back bulk and goal can yeah. bounce further and further. But as we move forward into this sustainable future and, and a greener world for us all, hopefully, 
Um, what sort of strategies can the course manager implement to try and push uh, a narrative? I'm not the first to say this, and I won't be last, but the key thing here is communication. And the communication knows a bit, but it's integral that the membership understand mm-hmm. um, what is attainable, yeah. what is doable. Yeah. And that has to be come from the course manager in the form actually, well, okay, you can have a golf course that looks like this, but it will cost you that. Or you could have a golf course that looks like B, and it will be more environmentally friendly, and it might cost you twenty percent less in terms of fees. Mm-hmm. It is that communication. It's, it's two ways that communication is basically players understanding what's possible in terms of greenkeeping, particularly today and the resources that are available to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the um, course managers understanding what the players want, but the two have to meet. Yeah. With the stakeholders of the club. Yeah, yeah, so that can only happen with communication. So the more and more communication, I mean, a lot of the golf course um, managers are very good. You know, they have um, podcasts like this, or they have notice boards, or they have meetings, or, blog, or they yeah. have a newsletter, yeah, yeah. or they have a blog. So there are lots of ways they can do it. Mm-hmm. But it's so integral that that happens. There'll always be a minority. Um, the old adage was in greenkeeping that every golfer is a turf expert because they've got to put grass <laughs> back home, so they know how to cut grass. They yeah. know that grass, don't they? So they're all turf experts. They're, they're plainly not. But <laughs> there is there has been that sort of um, assumption before. But yeah, they they need to understand um, well, you know what's what's feasible. I think it's got better in in used. Um, in recent years because of education and training because a lot of course managers are highly qualified you know mm-hmm. but uh, in the old days where you get doctors and lawyers playing around a golf and uh, you know the uh, the greenkeepers were seen literally just as, as grass cutters you know mm-hmm. they were no more better than laborers mm-hmm. i think that's changed to some extent i mean There's possibly still somewhere to go but i mean you're going to see that change at the, at the fundamental um uh, you're at the forefront of that because you're actually teaching that these yeah. fundamentals in terms of the sustainability to well, my generation, gen- generations below me and generations above me to to go down that way of thinking because obviously it's it's what we all it's what we need to do essentially. Yeah, I think I think I mean our I mean certainly our graduates, you know, and you're one of them. I would hold those graduates up against anybody in any profession in terms of their technical knowledge and ability. Mm-hmm. And we know that our our degrees get externally checked from government sources, and we know they're on a comparable to any other degree. Mm-hmm. And so they are knowledgeable, intelligent people um, who technically. You know, can communicate in a well, another subject well, mm-hmm. um, and there are more and more people like that out there in the industry. Mm-hmm. And so, I think it's getting home to those who manage golf courses, the committees, and the old schools. That actually, these are really directing. It's a lot better in capable the, human beings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the United States have always been ahead of the game in this respect. Of course, superintendent status. It's a recognised profession, and they are yeah. treated seriously as individuals and. Um, I don't say they're quite as far as the states, but certainly it's got better than it, than it has, mm-hmm. um, and it needs to continue down that vein. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, more so, so the actual you know course managers are listened to. Yeah, we saw on you, Stuart. You're 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 the guys. You're the person teaching them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we do our best. We do our best. Um, I was still, I was a student here many years ago, and what's say how many. And I was, and someone said to me, or I heard it said somewhere. I think someone said to me actually, 
Um, we might not be able to teach you all the answers, but if we can tell you how to find the answers, mm. then we've done the job. I like that. And, and that's the thing, you know, we can't, you can't possibly teach anything, everybody, anything. You'll, you'll go out there and you're on your own different experience and you'll be, someone will be a golf course there and somebody else might be on a football pitch over here or whatever. So their circumstances will be different. Yeah. And, and technically, as you know, you're in an industry where things are moving quite fast. You know, new products come along, uh, new legislation comes along. So things move. Yeah. So you can't possibly teach anything, but I mean, the fundamentals of turf and the agronomy of turf haven't changed for, you know, the 300 and odd years, whatever we've been having golf courses and the mm -hmm. footballs and like, mm -hmm. we're basically still cutting grass. Now it, it sounds simplistic, but the fundamentals haven't changed, but technology has changed and some of the materials and resources have changed. And I say that actually, and what I'm gonna say next is actually, the move I've seen, and going back to me, I don't mm -hmm. know if you agree this, is that we're actually going back more to where we were. We've got yeah, a full yeah. circle, really. More think, holistic think, sort think, of yeah, application of raw materials, yeah, manpower, absolutely. energy. Reduced inputs, you know, yeah. less fertilizer, less water. I agree. Simply because we're being driven because the cost or the environmental impact. And political stimulus needs as well. To work. It was completely, uh, I, I think you're completely right in terms of how we push forward sustainable lines. Um, now, the term sustainability is getting probably thrashed around in the industry of, of a term of people not wanting to use sustainability anymore uh, within the industry. Yeah. How, how would you perceive that? Because sustainability is a very, it's a big term and sometimes it can encompass too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is, but uh, personally, I would think I still quite like the term. Mm -hmm. Um, what what do you what else would you use an alternative? Viability. I mean, it's all about being sustainable. It's all about basically managing with what you've got and having minimal impact on the environment. Mm -hmm. And that's still the goal. It's basically yeah, yeah. it's reduced inputs. Yeah. You know, managing resources so we're getting the maximum output, if you like, from using the you know the minimal um, input of resources. We still that's what we're trying to and being mindful of the environment. Yeah. Um, some people think sustainability is climate change. Well, no, it's not just climate change is no. one sort of facet. That, that's another issue. Um, but sustainability is always using your, your resources that you have to maximum effect. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, it, resources is one thing, but having a viable business is the other thing, isn't it, as well? Yeah. Because a golf club has to be viable. If you've got no people coming to play, mm -hmm. and it is a challenge for many courses, admittedly, if people aren't coming to play the game, then your your business doesn't exist, isn't it? If I, I'm making cars and no one's buying them, then I agree. my business is... I agree. I, 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 I would say uh, post-COVID, we are definitely in sort of a, a possible boom of golf. I could probably, you could probably yeah, touch on that. Yeah, and and yeah. That there's, COVID was bad for a lot of things, but golf was the only sport really where people could still yeah, go and yeah. play and then carry on from that. We're Covid was generally good because people recognised they wanted to get outdoors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get outdoors again, you know, and they'd lost that, hadn't they? Yeah. And I think we're, especially if you're locked up for a few months, think like in Covid times, and you were restricted to where you could go and what you could do, or even leaving the house. Yeah, suddenly everybody's doing more outdoor activities, and so golf has benefited from that very definitely. Um, the challenge it has is, of course, is competition from other 
activities, if you will. Um, be it football you know, or, be it football or, the, or going to I the mean, gym or the most popular, the, the two most popular sports probably in the UK are cycling and running. Yeah. Because of both those you can do on your own and cheap. Yeah. You know, anyone can go running, can't they? Um, so those are those are cheap. So, and you can still do it with other people as well if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Whereas with golf clubs, you have a, there's a cost of clubs and memberships and all of the rest of it. But most golf clubs now have packages where it is more affordable to more people, mm-hmm. and they'll have to be continue to be like that if they're going to compete with other sports activities. But but golf is definitely, I think, yeah, golf has uh, has benefited. They said there's been a bit of a boom in growth into, since COVID times because people just want to go outdoors again and. But part of that is being outdoors and engaging and looking at nature and the environment and the, the surroundings that you're in. Mm-hmm. So again, that's just one of those duties of course manager, isn't it? It's managing the course that actually enhances it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're in nice surroundings. Yep. You're outdoors. You're getting fresh air. You might be hitting a golf ball around at the same time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I'm, I mean, going back to the. Let's, let's pr- probably tie it up with some evaluations of um, the golf course um, golf course condition and playability study that you did. So it's, it's essentially you found t- trying to get a basic minimum of standard across playing surfaces that aren't the golf green. And then try, it, it's, it's very specific, like you said, yeah. to, to the site because each site will be different. But I mean, what, I, what I've always seen, if, if someone starts with their benchmarking and then you can always build up from that. Yeah. What we deliberately tried to avoid, and I hope we did, is trying to impose a standard. Yeah. We definitely didn't want to say, your golf green, you want to say, your tee should perform to this level. Yeah. You know, we, we tried to avoid that because what we, we came at it from the angle of, no, you should identify as a club what your standards are mm-hmm. and then think about how you're going to achieve that mm-hmm. because you're right one doesn't fit one size doesn't fit all and since golf courses are very different they've got different resources they're in different areas geographically as you say there are big difference between links and parkland and so on so you can't impose a standard um for any of these areas mm-hmm. but what you can say and what we try to do is well there's a scale here there's a spectrum you know there's a, a possibility that you could be if you're like at level one, you could be at level 10, but you choose what best fits your situation. Mm-hmm. And then you manage your club accordingly with the resources you've got. And, um, and most people, and most people probably will aspire to, if you like, climb this ladder. Uh, we're at A at the moment, but we'd like to be B. Yeah. Well, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But you think about it, it's the journey how you get there. So how does that impact upon the resources that you have, and how are you going to do that shift mm-hmm. um, with, that, with that, the minimal levels? And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, trying to do it with minimal adverse effects to the environment or um, mm-hmm. cost of resources. But things can, you know, you you. I think what most things do. Um, again, there's the old magic manager. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Yeah. And it, again, it's just knowing your territory, knowing your turf, knowing your ground, knowing what's feasible or what works at your site for your membership and your ground conditions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it has to start from. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can improve upon it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but you need to start. Where's your, where's your journey? Where's your starting point? Where do you aim to be? Mm-hmm. And just please remember that you don't have to be a championship level golf course. 
Because yep. we don't need more championship level golf courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need just good golf courses which are well run mm -hmm. uh, and not being too harmful to the environment, mm -hmm. which offer a, a good day out of golf or a good game of golf. Yeah, and, and essentially manage the expectation of quality to, to your members. It, it, yeah, that, absolutely. That is the it, end it, it all hinges on that. It all hinges on basically, you know, the golfers might want A. But they're only willing to pay for B. But again, it's just it's that shift, isn't it? It's marrying the two together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it all hinges on my opinion. I think hopefully more enlightened golfers, hopefully, are becoming aware that there are limits on resources. Yeah. Because golfers, you know, just putting diesel in your car or petrol in your car, mm -hmm. um, be aware that you know that's expensive. Yeah. Um, so. Hopefully, most of them become more and like realize actually, well, costs are going up, yeah, or escalating upwards. No, um, I agree. I, their, I, I, their fees may be going up as well accordingly, but um, yeah, and, and, they always want to have the lowest fee they can. They, they can, but I, I think, and you probably concur, golf is. I go to some golf courses and you can pay fifteen, thirty pound a round, and when you compare that to going on to watch your football team at the weekend, well, actually, you're spending more on the golf time on the golf course and paying less, yeah, than you would go on to when you go and watch a football game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're going watching some sports. I mean, Premiership football is, is expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah, but, but, but Burnley um, a little bit cheaper, but you'd be alright. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but Burnley will be in the championship next <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, uh, thank you very much for today. It's been fantastic talking no to you. No problem, no problem. What I would like to end on is, can you give us a final piece of advice um, that would you that you would give to any fellow turf grass professionals listening today um, that are looking to innovate and push forward to more sustainable practices? Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? What advice would I give them? Well, my advice I would give them is is um, ask for advice if you're not sure of your own ground and your own situation. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. I think golf greenkeeping is very... Uh, there's a lot of good people in golf greenkeeping in the golf course sector who are willing to help and to provide assistance. Yeah. So ask for that help if you're not sure of your own ground and your own situation. Mm -hmm. I would also say be confident in your own knowledge and your ability. If you've had any level of education or training, remember, you're, if you're the course manager or deputy or whatever, you're paid to do that job. Mm -hmm. So if it's a case of a conversation between your members, that you're the expert, yep. you're the greenkeeper, you're the course manager or whatever. And own that. So, yeah, yeah. So, so be confident of your own ground and your own ability. Mm -hmm. And if you need help and advice, don't be frightened of asking for it. Stuart, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub Podcast. For more information, visit advancedgrass.com or follow us on socials using the handle at advancedgrass. <laughs>